You're listening to the Royal Society of Medicine's Digital Health podcast series from the Digital Health Council, where we aim to support healthcare innovation by disseminating knowledge of expert leaders at the Royal Society of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Marla Morkin. In this episode, we speak with Glenn DeVry, co-founder and co-CEO of Medidata, following an RSM digital health webinar. Medidata is the most used platform for clinical trials around the world, powering tens of thousands of clinical trials with millions of patients and billions of patient records. Glenn is the author of The Patient Equation, The Precision Medicine Revolution in the Age of COVID-19 and Beyond. We discuss the future of clinical trials powered by latest technologies and the important shift from population-based care to individualized care. All views expressed in this episode are of the speakers themselves. Let's get straight in. I think about the entire world of life sciences as people who make tools for healthcare. So if you make a better tool than what exists today for something in healthcare, you're a great life scientist, whether it's a pill or it's a medical device or an app or some combination. And if you don't make better tools, well, you haven't really contributed. And so what Medidata does is, oh, I guess you could, maybe I shouldn't say that, you know, failure is really important in science. So I guess you contribute by showing something doesn't work in this particular context. <laughs> um, but, but in general, you know, our goal is always to end that exercise with something that's better. And, and so what, what Medidata does is we, we accelerate that process of proving that, that these things um, are safe and effective and valuable, or in all seriousness, accelerating the idea that you can fail fast and realize that maybe I wasn't targeting the right, um, the right condition with this drug, but maybe it's worthy for something else, um, whatever the scenario is. But we do that by helping you run the research projects that you're running um, in a way that, that automates as much of it as possible, both from a data collection perspective, from a collaboration perspective, because this is things with, with sometimes tens of thousands of patients and, and even in cases, thousands of healthcare professionals. You know, they're quite small ones, but they're ones that are in a hundred countries at the same time. So we, we connect all of that online, all of that through apps in people's pockets. Um, and we help people look at the analysis because the fact that we live in this, this world um, he asked me you know, like how I, I kind of came to, to work in this arena. Now, I really thought I was going to be a research scientist. Now, I'll tell you, 25 years ago, um, when I was kind of coming out of academia, the stuff that we're doing today, biologically, retraining cells in our immune system to attack cancers, um, targeting molecules um, that we thought were untargetable by, by traditional um, molecular designs. Like we are living in, in biology science fiction. And we are living in digital science fiction, right? I mean, um, I, I wasn't, I'm not quite old enough to be like a Dick Tracy comic book day, person. But back then, like, you know, Dick Tracy would look at his watch and talk to people through a radio on it. And I'm like wearing an Apple watch and I can do a video call on it, right? So, so not only do we look at the biological um, uh, amazing science that's available, but what would have been science fiction uh, digitally now becomes something we can also use to accelerate, not just the gathering that data, but the analysis of it. So we look at, at Medidata different ways to bring in artificial intelligence and collaboration across silos that would have existed just because of the, the metaphorical and literal walls of different hospitals and companies and then look at data and bigger data sets. So, so that's really um, kind of our, our, our lot in, in life. Um, it's a very lucky one, frankly. Uh, I, I got a, a text earlier um, about a, a TV show um, looking at vaccines and a patient is, has nothing to do with Medidata. A patient is interviewed in the middle of this TV segment and they're showing the app 
that they use to record their symptoms and it says metadata on it. And I just, you know, you, you, uh, I wish we weren't going through this pandemic, but when you think about being able to help cure whatever it is, because um, everybody's going to be a patient at some point in their life, but then you really um, try to help the world out of this. So it makes you feel really good. So. That is fascinating and congratulations to being able to be actually as you say useful in this pandemic i think it's something it's like a lot of people are really are really hoping to get their hands stuck in and and be useful and to have technology that can that can be powerful is it's just brilliant and you've got your book which talks about covid i've seen that online as well <laughs> oh my god but yeah so so thanks for bringing up the book yeah so the the uh, the patient equation so I, I was saying to you i have this kind of amazing seat that i've been able to watch the life sciences and healthcare industry from and having done that for a couple decades i, I met um, so many really interesting um, patients, physicians, scientists, technologists, and um, I, I've been able to put together some ideas thanks to the the purview that I've had, and it just seemed like something that would that would be great to get on paper and organize and and um, hopefully inspire people with. And so um, I decided to write the book. I write the book, and then the not the publishing company, which is Wiley, but the publishing the printer. Um, uh, sadly has to close because of COVID and goes out of business and um, they, they needed to reprint the book. And so instead of um, reprinting a book in the middle of this year that had everything to do with healthcare and life sciences and not a word about the pandemic, um, I basically uh, had the opportunity over a couple of months to revise the book. So actually, if you get the first edition of the patient equation, it's actually like the second edition. I, I refer to the unpublished manuscript as the zeroth edition, which is mathematically comfortable for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was really interesting trying to like write about a pandemic when it's not over. And obviously it still isn't. Um, so far, nothing has, has come out as completely incorrect. Um, but it, was, it really tied a little bow around some of the ideas, um, and I won't say in a good way, I'm not going to say good around the pandemic, um, but it, it kind of illustrates how and why it's so important for us to think differently about healthcare and, and healthcare tools. So um, again, it's kind of, uh, it, an interesting combination of circumstances that hopefully led to a, a good book. What I found really interesting and is, is a quote I saw from your book, which said that you're bringing everyone in the industry up to speed to reveal the truly critical steps that we must take to ensure the best possible future for all of us. And I love this quote because what I thought about was how it's always been a privilege for the clinical trials and the research side of things to be able to, to use some of the technology that we've been missing on the front line for so long and now we're at a point where we can discuss and share the best practices the best learnings and i really feel like we're at this inflection point where we're able to now combine um, the knowledge that we've learned from the front line plus the knowledge we've learned from the research and collaborate together to really improve patient care. I mean, that's more of a statement than a question, but I wonder... No, no but I, I, I think you're right. And, and uh, again, silver lining sounds um, inappropriate in the context of, of a global crisis. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I think people have started to realize the, the urgency around working differently, given all the, the circumstances that have, have changed in the world. I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about the biological and, and digital technologies 
um, that are there. And, and I used to, you'd go to a dinner party and tell people that you worked in, in clinical research and you know, everybody would be like, what? And, that, and now, you know, the whole world understands like how clinical trials work and regulatory agencies work. And you used to uh, talk to people even in the industry about the idea of telemedicine mm -hmm. and talking to somebody over a screen about something quite serious. And they'd be like, yeah, but you know, I have to, I have to go to the clinic to, to speak to my doctor or to get data collected. And now, you know, I saw a clip on TV about somebody uh, effectively practicing telemedicine with a Medidata app in the middle of a clinical trial. And it's like the, the, the unfortunate circumstances have led to us realizing we can't always be in the same room with our physician or with a patient. And we can collect data remotely and we can collaborate in different ways, um, like being on this podcast and being able to look at each other as if we're in the same room. I guess if you're listening to the podcast, you can't tell that we're doing that, but trust me, you can. Um, <laughs> and and um, and I don't think there's going to be any going back. I, I think you know the world's just going to come out of this understanding that we have to take healthcare more seriously globally. We have to think about access, um, and and we have to think um, very proactively about tools for healthcare and and, and data, right? And and so um, there will be a different world coming out of this. And and once again, kind of. Um, I'm happy to be able to do our part of it. This is a disease that affects everyone right now, right? This is a, a global pandemic. What about the rare diseases? Do you think we're going to fling back to normal on that? Or do you think we're still going to have some traction there? No, I think we'll have uh, uh, a lot of traction there. And, and I obviously think that's a good thing. Um, some of these techniques that we're using to scale up research at um, unprecedented speed and at unprecedented scale are very applicable to rare diseases. If, if you're looking for something that's gonna be a very precise medicine, right? So I'm looking for something, and it, it could be that literally it's a rare disease and maybe there's hundreds or thousands of patients who are diagnosed with it every year, or it's something that you might think of as a relatively uh, common problem, something in, in cardiology or endocrinology, or maybe it's a particular um, type of cancer. But when we start to get very precise with our medicines, we start to say, yeah, well, this is for this kind of cancer and it's for patients who would have or haven't had this kind of therapy before and do or don't have this particular gene that they inherited from their parents. And maybe the individual cells, this is the science fiction I was talking about, that we can now sequence, have a particular mutation. And we keep narrowing down the number of people. So actually, ultimately, everything is gonna be like a rare disease in terms of the, mm -hmm. the frequency by which we see patients for these new medicines that we're developing. Well, when, when you make these specific medicines, that's great. It's great for us as patients because it means we're gonna have something that works better for us. But if you're the person designing that medicine and you wanna test it, it's much harder by mathematical certainty to find those people because there are few of the, fewer of them spread throughout the world. So we have to think about how we use different mathematical techniques. One of the things that we love doing at Medidata or things that outside of Medidata, I also talk about the patient equation, to, to make the math work with smaller denominators by supplementing them with patients from other places and with other simulated mathematical models. We need to think differently about how we find these patients and engage with them. Um, and, and they're gonna be spread throughout the world in a way that they're not all gonna be able to be living next to an academic medical center and easy to find. And, and, and actually, just as an aside, you know, one of the things that, um, it's an important aside that, that we've really uh, tried to address, and this is for many, many years at Medidata, is issues around diversity in clinical trials. Um, and what, what I think really boils down to issues around access 
And you know, you talk about rare diseases. I, I think there's a the Venn diagram of, of trying to work in a rare disease from a research perspective and think about uh, equitable access to healthcare around planet Earth are related in these things we're talking about. How do we scale the remote discovery of patients who need therapy and then the delivery of therapy to them? I, I, uh, I feel like nature medicine, given the number of times this article I'm about to talk about has come up in conversations with me in the last eight weeks or whatever it's been since it came out, I think they should call me and thank me. But there was this article in nature medicine and it's um, maps of the world that are bright yellow for people who live within a, a couple minutes, hours, or within a day of getting to a hospital by car or train or something like that. Um, and then it's dark purple and, uh, when you're more than a day away. And then there's another map that has the same thing with walking distance. And you know what, if you're in the East Coast of the US or you're in Central Europe, the maps look okay. But even the walking, they start to get a little bit darker. And then you just realize if you, you know, there's a lot of our planet where it's really hard for somebody to get to a hospital. And you think about, again, equitable access to healthcare. You think about you know, things that the, the, the UN has put out as goals. We have to fix this. And telemedicine and thinking different ways about sensors and the delivery of, pay, of drugs connected to medical devices and, and things that now are becoming so real because of the pandemic to everybody and everybody understands. Those are the, it, they're not going to fix everything, but they're part of the answer. And I, and I actually am excited to live in that world. Um, let's get to that post-pandemic world, but I think it's going to be a, a better place to live. I have got goosebumps from you talking. I mean, like, <laughs> Really, really interesting to hear. Uh, I don't, I, honestly, I mean, I'm kind of a bit gobsmacked here because I think that it's so, it, what you're saying is so right. We must have diversity in clinical trials, full stop. But, and I think, I'm not even sure if you notice what you say, but I think that you have um, captured the problem really well because you see yourself as a user. Every time you talk about patients, you don't talk about like it in third person, you say us and we, and, and yeah. you as a user. And I think that, I mean, like, I think it just brings you into it. Well, I, I mean, but thank you, but, but we are, I mean, you know, and that's, it's one of the things that I think can, can be, can be so wonderful to, to work in the life sciences industry is you realize that it, you know, you're going to leave the world. If you're doing a good job, you know, a better place than you found it. And, and frankly, the, the, the patients who I met, I'll go back to some of the stuff in the patient equation, have been some of the most important people in terms of at least my own personal thinking about the future of healthcare. There, there's a guy, and, and sadly he has passed away, but he's in the first chapter, um, Jack Whalen, and, and he, he kept himself alive with Microsoft Excel, like full stop. It, he, he plotted the trajectory of his disease across multiple clinical trials, across um, multiple therapies, on and off label, um, meaning that, uh, drugs that he was um, supposed to be able to take and drugs that maybe his physician said, well, maybe this will work. If it was an approved drug. That's what I mean by off label. Um, and by tracking that proactively, he definitely, in, in my opinion, extended his life, I, I think, by years and years and years. And, and you, you meet somebody like Jack and you see them do that and you go, why can't we do that in healthcare? Why can't we connect all this data? Why can't we scale what was so useful for Jack that he and his engineering thinking brilliantly decided to do 
and, and make it available to more people. And again, that, that's related to a lot of the work that, that I have the privilege of doing and that I see lots of people doing outside of metadata and outside of Viso systems. I mean, I, I, we are the people who are the, everybody in healthcare are the end users of healthcare too. And, and so when you think that way, then all of a sudden you realize that there's, there's 8 billion other people who have kind of really good ideas for how we can make it work better. I love this. I love this. Okay, so how do we, what is, I mean, like, how can we phrase this? What is the future of clinical trials going to look like for patients? Yeah, no, it, I, it's a great question, Al. And I, I, as I told you about kind of life sciences industry, I like, I like abstracting things and, and maybe sometimes oversimplifying them. Um, but clinical trials, and I think by extension, the way we think about a lot of healthcare um, ha have been, um, are, population-based. Mm -hmm. We think about, okay, we'll have this group of people who get standard of care or a sugar pill, you know, the placebo. And we have this group of people who are going to get potentially great new drug A or use medical device B. And then we'll compare the populations. And hopefully the population that gets access to something new, it works, works better. Um, but let's, let's take our drug and uh, the example I'll, I always use. And again, in some ways it's unfair and I'm not a, a cardiologist and I think they bristle when I oversimplify things like this, but like, if, do you have high cholesterol? Yes, no. If yes, give the patient a statin. Like it's a very simple way to think about it. The future is not population based. It's going to be individual based. And we're going to find people and we're going to stand up the infrastructure around them to as effectively as possible evaluate whether or not a new medication is better than what exists on the market for them. And that is gonna be a unit of evidence. It's also a unit of value to a patient which translates into healthcare. So whether it's in a, an office, in an academic medical center, in an affluent neighborhood, or it's in one of the dark purple zones in that nature medicine map I was talking about, we're gonna figure out how we can get a medicine to somebody how we can get a medical device to somebody, how they can engage with it, how we can digitally keep them engaged, how we can connect them to the care that they need and the help decision-making and help them as a person. And when we think that way, we'll design different clinical trials, we'll design different medicines, we'll think more about the manufacturing and logistics and the delivery, not just the, does this affect medical charts in mathematical aggregate in a way that we as, as physicians or scientists think is worthy, we'll get to that individual value. Um, and I think that's very different. Um, and, but I think we can do it. We've got the infrastructure and, that, and I think we've got the wherewithal as a society and as, and as the industry is relevant. I think this is the first time I've spoken with someone about clinical trials that has actually really taken on board the word design in designing clinical trials because I think that you are pretty much a designer here you are looking creatively at how we can personalize this and it's it's it's, it's wonderful well thank you I mean design is design is important right I mean mm -hmm. if you it, I, I will I will tell you um, I spent my entire professional career making software for clinical trials and I I, I say this to our employees and I say it to clients and I frankly said maybe it's not the best thing to say to a prospect who's considering buying your your software to run their clinical trials but I'll tell them like you can run an amazing clinical trial in metadata you can also run a terrible one and <laughs> has to do with design <laughs> like if you design a trial that is not appealing for people to join if you design a trial that it, no matter how many people decide to join it you're not producing the evidence that you need like that's a bad experiment and we're experimenting with people Right? So it's important to, to, to think about design up front. It's important to think about engagement. 
And the other side of that is, and this is a very, um, if it's okay, like a, almost like a commercial thing about the life sciences industry. If you design great clinical trials that are appealing to patients, that do make the patients feel engaged, that of course you have to have a, a, a medical device or a drug or a digital therapy or some combination that works, but that does produce positive outcomes, you just figured out how to deliver it to people in the world outside of clinical trials, right? So that design is just as important as the design of your molecule or the design of your device, I think. And so people who really think about that design and get it right, I think are, are destined to outperform in terms of creating real patient value, people who don't think about it that way. What a wonderful place to leave that on. It's such food for thought. Thank you so much for joining us today, Glenn. It's been a wonderful Thanks. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Royal Society of Medicine's Digital Health podcast series. It was fantastic to speak with Glenn, and I hope it's inspired you to join us at some of our upcoming webinars and events. For the most up-to-date information on our latest and upcoming events and webinars, please head down to the Royal Society of Medicine's website, and we would be glad to welcome you at some of our future events. Bye for now.